Okay, here we go. We are in Philippians, the fourth chapter, and we should be able to wrap this up tonight. Um, uh, great, very simple, basic book of Philippians. We talked about in the beginning how Paul had uh, wound up going to this Roman outpost out in the middle of nowhere called Philippi, and how he met these women uh, by the by the river and got a chance to start witnessing and talking with them, and they eventually became believers, and that was all the start. Anyway, the Philippians were always very, very close friends of Paul, and they got along extremely well. Unlike the Galatians <laughs> that we read about before this, where he was really ticked at a lot of them for uh, giving up on their faith, as, as uh, he was putting it. And uh, so, we're, we're picking this up, and we're in chapter 4, verse 8. So, he says, finally brothers. Now, he also said finally brothers back at chapter 3, verse 1. But this time he means it, because we are coming to the end. Finally brothers, whatever is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now you have to admit that list is usually not what people think about. We think about whatever is bad and whatever is negative. And the facts, the taxes are going up. And what about this? And what about that? And I'm going to kill my husband when he gets home. And if that next door neighbor ever does that again, I will strangle his dog because he's pooping in my yard. <laughs> and we think about negative things. And we just, and we worry and we fret. And then we wonder why we are so bummed out. We wonder why we get sucked down to the ground. Because we are thinking negative things. You say, well, what, what does that have to do anything? Why, why can't, you know, I get into a certain place spiritually, why can't I just stay there? Why do things uh, seem to come back down? I have a little object lesson tonight. I have this beautiful silver balloon blown up by Pastor Lathan. He's a very talented man. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Spiritual things. It's like when you get lifted up spiritually, it's like a balloon. But it doesn't stay there. It'll always come back down. It is just like gravity will pull you down. Parts of us are getting pulled down all the time. <laughs> oh, what do we get? My chest is sunk down to my gut. I don't know what happened, but this, this gravity. We actually start shrinking. Do you realize that? I'm pretty short to start with. I'll be about this tall. I'm What's that? It's gravity. It's gravity. And... Uh, and, and, and just like gravity is constantly pulling us down, uh, we live in a world of sin. And we've all been poisoned by sin. Um, it is the uh, reason we're all going to die physically someday. Has anyone noticed, the older you get, things just ain't the way they used to be. And the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be, ain't what she used to be, you know. And, and uh, you know, the aches and the pains. And I'm just in my 50s. I'm not nearly as old as Lathan. But, uh, <laughs> but you get in your 60s and your 70s and like, ay, 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 ay. And say, what is going on? The wrinkles and everything coming in the spots and the shrinking. And what, what's happening? You're dying. It's really what's happening. We're all going to die. It's just a matter of when and how. And, and I'm hoping it's not for a long time and very quickly. 
Those are my two guests, <laughs> two hopes. Long time, quick, that's what I want. But uh, um, it, it's just the nature of things. Now, because not only have we been physically poisoned by sin, and God warned Adam, look, you do this, you're going to die. And he went, and ate it anyway, okay, and we all get in on the deal. Uh, thankfully, Jesus came to redeem us from the curse of the law, but we still physically pay that price. Now, while our spirits have been born again, physically, you look pretty much the same. If you were 150 pounds before you got saved, and then you come to Christ, chances are you're still 150 pounds anyway. Unless you come to church and hang with a bunch of Christians, and you're 180 pounds. Uh, and <laughs> that's a few sins the Christians tolerate, like eating. <laughs> we all like that one. But, uh, um, you know, and mentally, you might have been mentally a certain way, the way the way we process stuff before you got saved and afterwards, you'll still process stuff that way. That's why the Bible says we need to be transformed. We need to renew our mind. We need to change the way we think. Now, a lot of Christians think that should just happen automatically. If I just come to Jesus and voila boom, zagmazingo, I should just be thinking differently. No, you have to actually work at this. You have to actually work at it. And the reason for working at it is to keep your, the spirit lifted. And that's why he tells us, whatsoever things are true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. Think about such things. And it's not that it's hard. You just have to keep doing it. You see. Because if you stop doing it, then, then it falls. And, and spiritually, you'll start getting drugged down. And sometimes we feel like it's too much work and, and too much effort. But it's really not. The Christian walk is really not all that complicated. Jesus said a child can do it. It's really not that hard. But the problem is, is we stop lifting up. We stop lifting up. We stop lifting up. What we think is that we shouldn't get pulled down anymore. I've, I've prayed a lot. I've been so blessed. I don't have to pray for a while. Wrong. I'm, I'm so smart. I've read the Bible so much. I'm so intelligent now. I don't have to do it anymore. Wrong. The, the, the pull of, of the negative on our minds is never ending. And, it, and, and for spiritual success in our lives, we've got to continually think about good things, positive things, so that we can stay lifted up, so we can stay positive. Say, Pastor Mark, how do you stay positive? On purpose. That's really how you do this stuff. You do it on purpose. How do you stay successful in life? On purpose. We, we really live in a culture, I think, people think that if you're really happy and you're really blessed and your life is great, you're really lucky. That's what we think. Oh, that guy, he's so lucky. Wow, he's just happy all the time. I wish I could be like that. You can. Because you've got to do it on purpose. Do I ever not do it and get drugged down? Yeah. Ask my wife. You know, we all slip up, we all quit making the effort, looking upward, and pretty soon we're down, and life kind of gets on us, and we're, uh, the cloud hangs over us, but the way out of it is to think on positive things. It's hard to, you've got to be very intentional to think positive thoughts. Negative thoughts, is that ever easy? How many of you notice negative thoughts come so easily to you? It's just natural, how how come it's so easy to think that? Sin. The mind has been poisoned by sin. It'll always want to pull down. Always want to sink into negative thoughts, nasty thoughts, mean thoughts, envious thoughts. Protect yourself more. If those people do that to me, I'm going to do this to them. You know, some of you today, we're just rehearsing what you're going to do if that situation ever pops up again. 
I'm going to do that. I better not do that. We rehearse this stuff over and over again and it poisons our spirit and it brings us down. The way that you break that is you have to make an intentional effort. I am going to think about true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. (laughs) I love the way he says it. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, any of this stuff, then think about those things because this will make a difference in your spiritual life. He goes on to say, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, do the same thing. Put it into practice and the Son of God will be with you and the God of peace will be with you. Now that's quite a statement to be able to say, um, be like me, be like me. Now there's not, you know, I, I encourage people, you can be like me to, to a point. <laughs> I got a few things you don't want to be like, you know, but the the way to encourage and inspire and be a leader is to live the kind of life that other people want to be like. You know, it's not about just telling people what to do. You've got to be able to live it. And Paul certainly lived it, though he wasn't perfect. As he said earlier in the book, he says, nobody's perfect. But uh, he lived such a life that he said, you want to succeed in this? You want to be like me? Then do what I do. If you'll do what I do, if you approach life the way I approach life, if you will, anything you've seen me do, if you'll do the same thing, you'll have the same result. It's not that he was a special, special, well, in a way he was a special guy because of the calling on his life, but the, but the way he lived his life wasn't special. If you, if we, anyone who would do what he would do would have the same results is the bottom line. Is this making sense? You know, it's, it's like people who have, you know, who work a lot and save and, and don't spend money like a drunken monkey uh, uh, and have lots of credit card debt. These people are pretty healthy financially. It's a miracle. They work hard, they save, they don't spend money foolishly. They're pretty well off. Then the people who don't work very hard or spend money foolishly or aren't very wise and get all kinds, they suffer and they struggle. And they say, oh, I wish I could be like this guy. Oh, I wish I could be like this. You can do what this guy does. And you'll be like that. And this is true in so many areas of life. Okay. Then he says, uh, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Remember, the reason he's writing this letter to them is because they had sent another offering. These guys were very nice to Paul. They were always supporting him financially. And they just sent another offering to help him out. Uh, And he said that you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Even though he was. (laughs) I'm not saying this because I am in need. He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Wow. I know what it is to be in need. How many have ever been in need? He says, I know what it's like to be in need. He says, I know what it is to have plenty. Anybody ever have plenty? All the hands go up for need. Three hands go up for plenty. We need to pray for (laughs) y'all. I have had plenty and I've I've had need. And and I got to tell you, need really bites. You know, if you got to choose the two, I'm for the plenty side. The need is not a lot of lot of fun. It can be quite the challenge. But here's what's fascinating. He says, "I'm, I'm content whether I have need or plenty. It, it, it doesn't affect me one way or the other. He's, he's, here is a man who lived separate from his circumstances. 
whether things happened greatly for him or lousy for him, had no bearing on how he felt and lived on the inside. Boy, how many think you could use some of that? You know, and, and to get separate from what's happening on the outside and realize that our, my joy comes from, from Christ. He says, I have learned the secret. Check it out. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. He has found the secret to be content. Content. You know what it's like to be content? It's like our little grandson Monty was over. Was it yesterday? It's over today too. I wasn't there though. But uh, when he's fed and dry, he's a very content little boy. Just chilling. Looking at things. Grabbing things. Very pleasant. Just content. To be content. To have peace. To be calm. We talked about this. Uh, was it last No. Last ones we were off. The ones before about being calm in the midst of the storm. You remember that? Some of those of you who weren't there, we talked about the story of Jesus, how when he was in the boat with the with his disciples who were, many of them, lifelong fishermen. They knew trouble on the water when it came. And this big storm comes up and, and these guys thought they were going to die. They weren't just a bunch of girly men. They knew a storm. And the amazing thing is that while they're all freaking out, Jesus was sleeping. Sleeping. Peace in the midst of the storm. And and they finally woke up Jesus and, and said those words that so many times we have said. Lord, don't you care? God, don't you care? They said, Lord, don't you care? We're going to die. And he gets up and he says, quiet! And everything... And they all went, whoa, who is this guy? I mean, they were very blown away. But Jesus didn't go, see how powerful I am? Wasn't this great? He chewed them out for being so chicken. What's the matter, you guys? We're not going to die. Don't you have any faith? You see, we all pray for the storm to come. How many of you know that? When you get the misery in your life, when things are going crazy, you, we try and pray, God, stop it. Stop it. Calm stuff down. Calm stuff down. And sometimes the Lord will change those circumstances and it will calm you down. But the reality is, what he wants you to do is be like he was encouraging the disciples. Stay calm in the midst of the storm. Relax. You're not going to die. You think you're going to die. You feel like you're going to die. Some of you look like you're going to die. But just, just, just quit freaking out. Don't, I'm telling you, this is so key, you guys. If you live by your circumstances, you will be a victim all of your life. You just will. Because just like the balloon pulls us down, more, what do you think more naturally you're going to experience in life? Positive circumstances or negative? Negative. Good grief. If you don't get this, it's always going to beat you up. All of a sudden, you get an unexpected check. You win the lottery. Yee-haw! You'll be happy. Jumping up and down. Come on down. The price is right. You see these people, they get picked. They go nuts. Ah! 
Like, man, these people need to get medicated. What is with this? Freaking honestly, if I was playing the game, no way would I jump down going, ah! And I'm pretty wired. I don't know what these people are on. Chance to win money. Circumstances are going to change. <laughs> but if something negative happens, It is fascinating. And when you live a life separate from your circumstances, two things will happen. First of all, everyone will think you're crazy. They will. They'll think there's something wrong with you. You know, people coming up to us, Pastor Mark, you know, that's such and such a bad thing. That must really make you sad. No. Really? Yeah. Well, Pastor Mark, I heard this thing change. You must be so happy. No. Why aren't you happy? Well, I'm always happy. I'm, I live separate from that. People look at you like, you're nuts. So number one, people think you're crazy. But number two, that you walk around content. You have a peace that passes all understanding. <laughs> I was talking the other day with a, with a brother uh, here in the church. Uh, actually, Mike. <laughs> Krishak. About some of the crazy circumstances that we've gone through. And he, he said, man, why would you do this? <laughs> a normal person would have turned and run for some of the challenges. You know, did you have a hard time sleeping? No, I didn't have a hard time sleeping. I don't have a hard time sleeping. Um, you know, it's just I try to live separate from what's going on. There are times, I must admit, that things kind of pull me down a little bit. But I got to get free again. And I got to push the balloon back. And I got to pull away and stay separate from all of this. And Paul lived that kind of life. Good thing, because most of the time things weren't too good for him. Most evangelists, when they come into town, they check out the nicest hotel. When he came into town, first thing he checked out was a prison, because that's usually where it was going to wind up. <laughs> you know, things didn't go too well for Paul at times. Rough times this guy had. But he learned the secret. He learned, you want to see the secret is? Big money here. I'm going to give you the secret. The next verse. Here's the secret he learned. He says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. King James says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I like the wording there a little bit better. I'm just more used to it. But I can do all things. Here's the secret. I can do anything. As long as he's with me, I can do anything. I can handle anything. He will never hang me out to dry. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. That's why you struggle. You've got to get to that place. When you get to that place where you're absolutely convinced, man, the world cannot touch me. My circumstances might go up. My circumstances might go down. But I am in the palm of his hand. He surrounds me by his love. My success in life isn't based on my circumstances. It's based on my relationship with him. My obedience to him. By trusting in him. Leaning upon him. It changes you. And you start being content. You say, well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. Well, that's okay. We'll keep encouraging you. At some point, you just got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's really what happens. At some point, you just got to say, I'm, I'm tired of being bummed out all the time. And you just release. You just let go. It's harder, but we hang on so tight. We hang on so tight and realize we're working just way too hard at this stuff. Reminds me of the story of the guy who was walking along at night on an old abandoned railroad track on a bridge. 
And he's an area he didn't know where he's at, but he just kind of gotten a couple of miles away from his hotel and just kind of relaxing. And anyway, the guy stumbles and falls, and he but but for grabbing on at the last second, he would have fallen off the railroad track <coughs> off of this bridge. And, and but he can't pull himself up, and uh, he's freaking out because he surely does not want to die, and he. He locks his hand and braces himself in such a way, hoping against hope that someone will hear him or someone will come to him. And he he stood like that, locked for the longest time in such incredible pain. And finally, this was late at night, and the sun started coming up. And and he looked down, and he was like a foot off the ground. (laughs) You know, this is us. This is us trying to make stuff happen on our own. At some point, you just got ow. And you won't die. You'll be fine. Takes a while to get there sometimes. That's all right. We'll love you. Keep encouraging you. So it goes on. He says, yet it was uh, good of you to share in my troubles. Talk about helping me out. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. These guys loved him. Great relationship with him. Nobody else would help him out, but the Philippians were always there investing. And I tell you what, in terms of spiritual investment, wouldn't you like to invest it in this guy's life? We're still here 2,000 years later talking about his thoughts. Here's a man who changed the world. And no other church, no other church invested in this with him. He says, except the Philippians. Heaven's got to be a very cool place for them who made these kind of investments, who backed that kind of a ministry, a ministry that was changing and affecting lives. He says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. See, remember, anything you do for the kingdom of God gets credited in an eternal account. Heaven uh, will not be the same for everybody. It'll still be heaven. Sure beats the alternative. (laughs) But we're going to be there a long time, man. Let's lay up treasures in heaven, Jesus said. He says, I have received full payment and even more, and I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. My God will meet all your needs according to his... It's one of these scriptures you should memorize. Just like... uh, Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You ought to be able to quote that in a drop. And you ought to be able to quote this next one. God will meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory. But look at the condition. A lot of people quote this verse, but they don't meet the condition. The condition was these people had given financially and sacrificially to advance the kingdom of God. And in that context, he says, my God will supply all of your needs. You see, because once you do that, then you give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. We want to be blessed, but we don't want to, to let go. And, uh, and you can't be blessed if you don't let go. In the kingdom of God, you've got to stay open-handed. And uh, um, say, well, if I had more money, I could be, be able to give more. Not necessarily. I know this is going to sound crazy to some of you who really struggle financially don't have any money. But believe it or not, the more money you have, the harder it can be to give. It's true. Some of you know your life's changing. You're doing better and better in life, better and better in life. It gets harder. Why? Because we love it. 
It's so green. It's so wonderful. It makes me feel so safe. I don't want to let go. And it's hard. It doesn't get easier. You know, get in a place of faith. Let go. Give back into the kingdom of God so God can bless you even more. Ah, pretty wild stuff, huh? Okay. Um, and then to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, he says. And then he says, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. Now, depending on the church background that you've got, a lot of us were raised in certain churches that believed in certain, you know, certain hierarchy of, of holiness and you know, saints were people who died and went to heaven and then they got elevated to a special status, saints. And historically, that's what people view as saints. But biblically, that's not what they're talking about. To them, the word saints was uh, the same as a believer in Jesus. If you, according to the way Paul thought and the New Testament thought, you're all saints because you're all believers and followers in Christ. He said, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. What he meant is greet all the people around you. Although he not, hi, okay? To some saints up in the sky. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings. Again, not people up there waving back down. We're just talking about believers in, in Christ. Especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Remember, he's in jail in Rome, suffering. He doesn't have his freedom. But he's even winning people wherever he's at. And he, he'd won some converts even in Caesar's household. And they were saying hi to these Philippians who are so kind to Paul. And he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Okay, so that's the end of Philippians. Um, Now, at the beginning of Philippians, um, we, we went and looked in the book of Acts of how all of this got started. And one of the stories that we read about when Paul was in Philippi was about this girl who was demon-possessed and he had cast out demons. And I had made some comments about demon possession. And and I had some people ask me, could you teach a little bit more on that and explain it? And I promised you that I would when we got to the end of this. So now I'm going to give you my little spiel on demons. Are you ready to change channels to the demon channel? (laughs) Okay, now... Let me make something really clear to you. Clear as mud. One of the things that we believe here at Celebration Church, which I I love, it's, it's different than a lot of churches, in that we really distinguish between what we believe, cling to, hold on to, trust in, and what we believe thinking. Okay? There's a real difference in that. You know, the English language, the word believe can kind of, it's all over the place, you know. Oh, I believe I'll have a cup of tea. All right? Yeah, I think. It's really another way of saying think. So people oftentimes will come and say, what do you, what do you, what do you believe about eternal security? And, and I'll, th- well, I'll tell you what we think, but we don't have a cow about those things. I'll tell you, uh, you know, we don't really take much of a stand on that. Anyway, I personally... You know, depending on on the extremes, I mean, you got some people that believe everything is predestined. Everything has happened. God's already ordained, and you're predestined either to go to hell or to go to heaven, and and that they they believe that. I think those people are a little nuts, but I'm predestined to think like that. But uh, <laughs> and then you got the other people who think God's not involved, just whatever I do. So you know, it's somewhere in the middle, I'm sure. But you say, well, and occasionally I have people come to me and say, well, why do you believe on these things? And I say, well, well, well. 
We don't really believe anything about it. We, I'll tell you what we think, what I think, what we teach. But we could be wrong. We could be right. I mean, there's something. Churches, historically, have fought and had cows over some of the most ignorant things. Things that do not matter. What do you believe about baptism? What do you mean? Well, do you believe that it's got to be running water in a river? Or, or do you believe it can just be in a little pond? And as a what it matters, well, if you're in a pond, the water isn't rushing, it won't wash away your sins. Uh, okay, I believe it doesn't matter. That's what I believe, I think. But are we going to have a doctrinal sense? Our official policy here is we believe the water has to be in a certain condition. And 85 degrees Celsius. Oh, that'd be birth to death, wouldn't it? But anyway, I mean, it's, it's just, we, we just don't get into all that. So there's all kinds of things. What do you believe about speaking in tongues? I'll tell you what I think about it. You know. Now, there are things that we do believe. We believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe mankind is lost, hopelessly lost in sin. The only way to God is through forgiveness through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We believe in God. We believe three uh, persons, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. There's something we believe, 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 believe. And then there's the I think belief. And we've just made a term. We're not going to have a cow about these little micro doctrines that people like to fight and beat the snot out of each other over. That's how there's so many different denominations. You know, you've got Catholics, you got Lutherans, you got Baptists, you got Pentecostals, you got about 36 different kinds of Baptists. You know, you got half a dozen different kinds of Luthers. I mean, there's all sorts of shapes, flavors there. Why? Because they'll find them. Well, I believe this! Well, I don't. I believe that! Well, get away from me! And, and then we set up our little things and we split and we fight over these little goofball things that just don't really matter a hill of beans in a lot of areas. So, um, now, there are, there's no greater area where I will tell you what I think than on this area of what's with demons. Okay? The Bible, the New Testament talks a lot about them, but doesn't really give us a lot of answers, quite frankly. Uh, and it's funny, a lot of it's semantics, how people use different words and stuff. And it's funny to watch people debate this, people who are really skilled in the scriptures, because they paint each other in the corners all the time. You know, I have guys who disagree with me, and I'll say, well, what about this, this, this? They paint me in a corner, I go, uh, I don't know. And I say, well, what about this? And I'll paint them in the corner. I go, uh, I don't know. What about this? You know, it's just, it's just one of those things. We, we don't have an official position on these things. Because who, it's just not that clear. Having said that, I will tell you what I think. Okay? If you disagree with me, get in line. It starts way at the back. Okay? It's like, it just doesn't say. Okay, now, for me, I, I see pretty much four uh, major categories when it comes to this idea of demons. First category is people who are possessed. Now, you can look at, look at Luke, the uh, 22nd chapter. Luke, 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 Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 22. And no, 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 that's not it. Luke eight. Let's read all of Luke. We'll find it. <laughs> you have no place to go, right? Luke eight uh, twenty-six. 
Okay. It says, they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. Uh, Anyway, the guy was a little nuts. Um, Look at verse 29. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under the guard, he had broken the chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. This guy was tormented by a demon that possessed him. Now my interpretation of the word possess means it controls them. Control. They're not really under their own control anymore. They are now possessed of a demon. Usually, I mean, there's never, <laughs> it's always negative. They tortured people. It was a horrible thing. Here's a guy who was, was uh, no matter, he had superhuman strength. They would chain him. They had big chains back then to hold people down. When the spirit would get on him, he'd break the chains. He was running around, cutting himself, running around naked, beating up people, living around tombs. The guy was a nut job. Big time. But he wasn't really crazy. He was possessed of the devil. When Jesus heals the guy, all of a sudden he's in his right mind. And clothed. <laughs> By the way, <clears throat> you have an urge to run around naked. Now you know why. But uh, the... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, here's the thing. With, with people who were possessed, uh, everybody recognized it. You didn't need discernment to recognize this kind of possession. Uh, even people who weren't believers recognized they were demon-possessed. There were people in the book of Acts that uh, uh, when they saw Paul casting out demons... Uh, in the name of Jesus. Then they started doing it. They opened up a little casting out demons business. And, and what they literally would say is. In the name of Jesus that Paul talks about. Come out of them. And people. Demons would actually come out of these people. And, and they would be whole again. And they were digging this. Until one day they ran into a really strong demon. That beat the snot out of them. You remember the story? And uh, uh, you know. They ran out of the house. Busted in naked. A real naked theme here. But. But. Uh, <laughs> Um, so this is possession this, these are not people who ha- are having anger management problems are you hearing me so, that, guy, that guy gets mad a lot he must be possessed of the devil no no. so I think that guy's possessed of the devil if he was possessed I don't think you'd need to think I think everybody would see it I think everybody would get it uh, we don't have a lot of that uh, Quite frankly, that kind of possession that I've ever seen in this country. I've talked to a lot of people who travel around the world. I've, we've been in places around the country. And you'll see it more where the gospel is preached less. The gospel is preached a lot in this country. I think, you know, in terms of a, a demon, if, if the gospel makes you uncomfortable, and you could see in here, whenever Jesus came around the gospel was preached, the demons would all freak out. If you were a demon, you probably wouldn't want to live in Green Bay for the most part. Are you here, man? This kind of demon possession. There's parts of the world that are very dark with a lot of demon possession, tormented, and and wild stories that we could tell you about some of that stuff. Uh, Or the people who are demon possessed get locked up and thrown into, you know, wards and stuff like that, and we never see them and stuff. I don't know. But I do know this. When these people were possessed of the devil, it was clear as a bell. Are you following me? This was extremely clear. People knew that. These are people who are possessed. Again, they don't control themselves. 
The devil is controlling them and tormenting them and making them do things they don't want to do. They are possessed. Now, there's another category. It's what I call being filled with the devil. Look at Luke 20. That's what I wanted, Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 1, and this is where, uh, um, just before the Last Supper, it says, Now the feast of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching, and the chief priests and teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And of course, and he went off, and the uh, Bible talks other examples where people are filled with, with the devil. Um, now, again, this is what I think. It doesn't really say. So we're just taking, I'm just telling you what I think. I think people can become filled with the devil, but not necessarily be possessed and go nuts and crazy and stuff. Because Judas wasn't doing that. But he was certainly filled and inspired of the devil. I believe a guy like Adolf Hitler was filled to the brim with the devil. I don't think he was possessed. I think these are people who willingly yield themselves to do wrong and willingly allow darkness and stuff to fill into them. Um, if you've ever been in a situation where you're with someone and, and, and uh, well, I, I have been. The last time I saw it was uh, I was counseling this guy and uh, he didn't like what I was having to say. But uh, all of a sudden the change over him and he stood up and it was like his eyes darkened. It was the creepiest thing I'd ever seen. This guy's... <laughs> I could sense him just being filled with the devil. And uh, we brought the session to a close. But, uh, I mean, you know, these are the people. And, and really, uh, that's times when you, you don't even need to talk to the guy. You talk to the spirit that's infecting him. You'll, you'll hear guys how they'll, they'll sense that in someone. And, and, and rather than the reason of the person, they talk right to the spirit. Satan in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. Stuff like that. Uh, it has a powerful effect in the name of Jesus. But in my opinion, it's just different. Again, this is semantics. A hundred people could argue a hundred different ways. A bunch of people say they want to know what I thought. That's what I think. Uh, I think these people get filled, but they're not necessarily possessed. It's not like they don't have any control. Okay? Now, um, in, in my opinion, particularly with the possessed, I, I don't believe, again, this, it doesn't, Bible doesn't say definitively, but I don't believe, there's certainly no example anywhere of a born-again, spirit-filled man or woman of God being possessed of a devil. I don't think it can happen. I think when we get uh, filled with the spirit of Christ, you know, that light and darkness cannot remain in the same place. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you, meaning Jesus, than he that's in the world, meaning Satan. It doesn't say greater is he that is in you than he that is also in you. Okay? I don't think you can have this split personality thing going on between Jesus. I think people have split personalities, but not between Jesus and the devil. There are going to be lots of devils in people. The Bible talks about one guy. His, they called him Legion because he had a thousand devils in him. <laughs> that boy had some issues. But I mean, just, you know, all kinds of bizarre stuff. I just don't think born-again Christians can do that. And I don't think a born-again, spirit-filled Christian can be filled with the devil. I just don't think he can. Say, well, I think they can. Okay. Peace. (laughs) You know, I just don't think he can. I don't think I don't think you can have light and darkness in you at the same time. I think Jesus. The Bible says demons freak out at Jesus. They freak every time someone demon possessed came to Jesus. They would freak out and start screaming. Ah! 
They don't like Jesus. It just freaks the willies out of them. I don't think you'd be filled with Jesus and a demon would feel real comfortable there. I, I, just, I, don't, I just don't think it can happen. He said, well, I don't believe that. Okay. I just don't think you can. Now, here's my next category. We've got possessed of the devil, filled with the devil, and then there's used by the devil. Ah, there's the rub. Look at Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew 16, verse 21. Jesus is with his disciples and he starts telling these guys. You know what's amazing? These guys must have been thick as bricks. Because he told them over and over again. We're going to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me. They're going to kill me. And then on the third day I will raise again. Clears the bell. And when it all happened, they went, well, I don't think this would happen. I mean, it wasn't like he didn't warn them. He told them all the time. It's like they couldn't get it through their heads. I Just the oddest thing. So we read here again, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, they're the ones who orchestrated the whole thing, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Sound familiar? He told them this over and over again. When it happened, they were totally unprepared. Amazing. But anyway, when he's talking about this, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord! This shall never happen to you! And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me. Who? Satan! Now, there are people who argue that's proof that a believer can be possessed of a devil. I don't think he was possessed of the devil. He didn't start foaming at the mouth. He didn't start running around naked, beating people up. He wasn't doing all kinds of bizarre things. I don't think he was filled with the devil. I think he was being used by the devil. And he turned around and just talked to this influencing spirit and said, get thee behind me. Now, do I believe Christians can be used by the devil? (laughs) Every week. Every week I think people say things and do things. It is not from God. It is not the Holy Spirit. They are being influenced by the devil. Absolutely believe it. No question in my mind. When they're out of character and being unbelievably selfish and getting all riled about stuff that doesn't matter, who do you think inspires that? The Holy Spirit? I don't think so. I believe it's just the devil. Now, I don't call him the devil, but sometimes it's just people. But goodness gracious, have Christians been used by the devil? Oh, the list is so long. It never ends. Churches that start out in peace and they're all loving each other and suddenly they're so hating each other that they have these big splits and their churches fall apart. Anybody ever part of a church like that? That just split right down the middle. I mean, it is devastating. It's unbelievable. How does that stuff happen? Christians allow themselves to be used by the devil. Getting all caught up in competitiveness and political fights and just nonsense that um, eats them alive. And 
as you know me, I am very, 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 very quick to jump on that stuff. Probably too much so. I will confess. You know, I share, you hear me get up and rebuke people and, and thoughts from time to time. People are convinced that I'm getting tons of responses. No, you have no idea. Depending on the response, it can be one. <laughs> if it's worded just the right way, that really ticks me off. That's all it takes me to go off. Why do you do that? Because I just hate that stuff. I hate that stuff. I just hate self-centered selfishness. And sometimes the devil comes in and uses us. And the Bible says we should rebuke a pastor. should also be able to rebuke. Most pastors are scared to death to rebuke people. And they let this stuff fester and bubble and boil. All over the place. And then they try to manage it. Have you ever seen that? I just hate that stuff. I just hate that stuff. I am just quick to jump on it and get it out. Now this will sound a little crude. But at least it's not the really crude word that Paul used in. Philippians last week. But uh, my goal, Pastor and I, let's let talk like this. You don't know how unspiritual we really are. But uh, I, I, I said, brother, you know what my goal is? To have a crap-free church. Is that not it? That is my goal. We're, we're, doing a, we're doing a leadership training thing this, this Saturday. I'm supposed to share my vision. My vision? Crap-free church. Just without all the crap. Just without. We don't need this. We don't... I believe it's possible. We lived that way pretty much in Stevens Point. It was. It was wonderful. It was just, it was just a crap-free environment over there. Why? Because we were just quick, man. The little slightest something. Not just to be mean or harsh to people, but just, no, we don't go there. The Bible says we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. I'm not sure who he's talking about, because most people I know are incredibly ignorant. Are you hearing me? Some of the most ignorant people I've ever seen. Getting caught up and letting the devil use them to fight and argue with each other. And I hate that guy and I should that. He shouldn't have that. I should have it. I don't think he should have more power than me ever. Makes me crazy. Drives me crazy. And that's a very short drive for me. (laughs) So, some people say, well, we need to cast out the devil. The devil's in the church. We need to cast out the devil. Okay, I know they pre again, a hundred churches, hundred different approaches on this. I just don't think you cast it out in that I think you resist the devil. The Bible teaches us to resist the devil. When we're under attack and being and the devil's coming against you and trying to discourage you and, and, and oppression against you, we resist the devil and he will flee from us. If you see someone who really is physically showing signs of no control and they're going crazy, rah, rah, and you sense that it could be a demon possession thing, then then that, that's a legit thing. And then we, you can go that route. Um, anyway, and then the fourth category. We got possessed by the devil, filled with the devil, used by the devil. And then one, again, this is just the way I view it. Not everybody agrees with it. I think you can be physically attacked by the devil. Uh, in sickness. Look at Matthew, the 12th chapter. 12th chapter, verse 22. And it says, And they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Okay, does that mean all people who cannot hear or talk or see or whatever are demon-possessed, like our brethren over here? Of course not. There were many times where Jesus came to people and who were deaf or, or blind or mute, and he would just heal them. No. No mention of any demons or anything else like that. But yet several times where it was mentioned. That there, it was the result of a 
of a, of a demon. Now how they knew the difference, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. It doesn't say. It just doesn't say. I would presume that there would be some kind of uh, uh, sensitivity or, or leading of the Holy Spirit where you can acknowledge that or feel that uh, more dis- spiritually discerning. You know, or maybe the people were fine and then all of a sudden mysteriously for no reason at all something went like that and they were being tormented in other ways. Um, if, uh, uh, if you look at Mark real quick, let me just show you this. Matthew, Mark, next, next guy over. Mark, almost done here. I'll let you go. Matthew, Mark 9, chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit and has robbed him of his speech. He couldn't talk. Whenever it seizes him, but look at the other stuff to add to it. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. Um, so maybe there were other signs like that. I don't know. That's certainly the case here. It was a problem where he couldn't talk or whatever the deal is, but they recognized it as a demon. There was unusual activity. Something was bizarre and strange and unusual. Um, but I do believe that uh, at times um, people can be attacked physically by, by a spirit of infirmity that comes and physically attacks people. Uh, not that all sicknesses are, you need to be delivered from a demon from. Um, but I think sometimes you do. And I think, you know, that's, that's where the Bible talks about having a spirit of discernment, being able to sense these kinds of things. Um, I know when my wife had, uh, uh, was struggling with cancer the first time around, I really sensed in me that this was a spiritual battle. There's times where you're just sick and it's just the cold, you know what I'm saying? But then there's something that just, you just sense that it's, <clears throat> something is, is not right here. And I remember fasting and praying and resisting a spirit of infirmity that I believe had attached itself to my wife. Was she demon possessed? As I understand possession, no. No foaming at the mouth, no... You know, just... (laughs) Although there are days when... No, 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 I won't. I won't go there. I won't go there. But, but, but I believe... Everybody's looking at her, she's getting mad. But, uh... But physically, I just, and it's just a spirit of infirmity and, and uh, just praying against that thing and trusting God to, uh, uh, to set her free from it. And it's just a bizarre little thing for us. You know, it's just me. I don't know what her thoughts are on it. I've never really asked her. I don't care. It's just what I think in my own little world. I know that one day she was holding her kitty and, and her kitty got down and took a few steps. A perfectly normal, healthy cat. We still have his sister that's still years later still alive. And he just went eh, 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 and fell over dead. Yeah, which of course freaked her out because she loves the kitty and she's trying to bring it back to life. But it was too late. And she says, do something, do something. I mean, he's dead. What am I supposed to do? Take it. That's why I took it to the vet. <laughs> I did. I walked in the cat's in a box. And they, said, they said, what's the matter? I said, I think my kitty's really, really, really sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny, but so sad at the same time. But anyway, and I can't, I can't begin to explain to you, but the minute that happened, something in me went, yes. I really believe in my little world of Marky. That just like in the Bible where Jesus one time cast out demons and they went into the animals. 
remember that story? The pigs? I believe whatever that thing was on her jumped off of her and jumped on our little kitty. That thing went, eh, eh, eh. And you say, well, you can't prove that. I know, I can't. It's just, I just think. That's what I think. You want to know what I think? That's what I think. I just know she got better. And, and God answers prayer. And God is faithful. And, uh, you know, so anyway, that's kind of how I view. What I, the big thing about demon possession that I get in trouble and argue with a lot of people about is what I don't believe. I believe you can be possessed of the devil. Not a Christian, but people can be possessed of the devil. I think they can be filled with the devil. I don't think you can be a Christian. But I think you can be used by the devil. I, th- I think you can be attacked by the devil. Even physically, where that thing will just grab a hold of you and you got to resist it uh, and get free of that thing. Um, but that's just what I think. There are no def- definitive explanations of these things. They're just not. What I'm reading you, the Bible's full. The New Testament, actually, not much known, but the New Testament is full of these kind of examples and stuff. Again, you get half a dozen people, they will sort it out differently. That's why, certainly, we have no firm whatever on this thing. But the only thing that you'll see me say is, what I am against is people who struggle with sin and think the answer is to get delivered. I have a problem with that. I could be wrong. I, I was wrong once. <laughs> but I turned out to be right. And that's what made me wrong. But, uh, but, but I, I could be wrong. Of course I could be wrong. I just, but I just don't think. I think, you know, if you're struggling with lust, you don't, don't need a demon of lust to be cast out of you. If you're struggling with anger, you don't need a demon of anger to be cast out of you. If you're struggling with whatever sin, add them up. You know, I just don't think you're possessed of a demon. Do I think demons are involved? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And here we get into semantics. But I believe this is where you resist the devil. You you fight back. You get strong in your faith. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against these 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 things that are trying to destroy our lives. And, and we do that. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's a resisting. There's a fighting of the devil. I have experienced incredible battles, spiritual battles in my life. Without question. I mean stuff that would just give you the heebie-jeebies if I took the time. to tell. I thought I was going to tell you tonight but we ran out of time. But uh, um, you know that's all very very real I just don't think the answer is to be delivered and there's a lot in in charismatic circles that think that that if you're having a struggle with sin come and we're going to cast the devil out of you and set you free if you feel you need that uh, there's people in our church we don't have an official policy of I I just don't want to go that way but there's lots of people in the church who if you really believe that they'll be more than happy to pray your deliverance through it I just I've just never I personally have never seen it really help anybody I've been to deliverance conferences where they are all struggling with sin and they all come forward in the evening to get the demons cast out of them and then the next morning we'd have another session and they get the demons cast out of them again and then after lunch they'd have demons cast out of them again and I was just like this is odd I mean what you get possessed and repossessed every you know five minutes these people but this, this is it all weekend long just be constantly getting delivered the same people over and over again and I would talk to these people and say well yeah I just know because I I, I, uh, I have a, a problem uh, looking at women if that's demon possession God have mercy on our souls, okay? Now, is it a struggle with sin? Yes, yes, it's a struggle. But the Bible teaches us how to do that. Renew your mind, resist the devil, think positive thoughts, lift that spiritual balloon. Keep it up, you can't ever let up on it. It's not hard, but you quit paying attention, it'll sink back down. But I just don't think sin 
sins that people struggle with and stuff is the result of possession. Demons involved, without a doubt. Okay, so again, that's where I come from. Lots of people look at it differently. Uh, There's lots of people here I know disagree with me on some of these things. One thing we have to all agree on is the scriptures are not definitive. They're just not. It just doesn't say specifically. As the pastor of the church, I kind of set the tone for how we approach these things. So that authority I do have. So we kind of go that direction. Um, But it doesn't always mean I'm right about stuff. Okay, y'all had enough? Let's have the guys come down and we will take our offering for the evening. I haven't been able to make up my mind which which, one I want to do next. Um, Some people have been asking for the whole book of Acts. I don't know if some of you guys want to do that or whatever. But that's a fun book. It's a long one, but it's a riot. This is great. Maybe we'll go that way. I don't know. I'll make up my mind by next Wednesday. But, uh, but I love this. I love going through the scriptures, verse at a time, verse at a time, putting it in context so we get a sense. And let me encourage you now, after we've done this, go back and read the book of Philippians. Just sit down and read through it and see how much easier it is for you because you'll be able to understand it in its context. Just let God speak to you in, in various ways. He will speak truths to you that I didn't touch at all. That's just the nature of the Holy Spirit. He can speak to you in so many unlimited ways let's pray father thank you for the power and the strength of your word we thank you lord even though we don't understand everything even though not everything's a hundred percent clear even though there's still a lot of mysteries spiritual mysteries in life there's one thing that is abundantly clear you love us you care about us we can put our hope and our trust in you and your word says those who trust in you are never disappointed because you are faithful and we praise you and we thank you for that we love you God for loving us help us to grow in our faith help us to grow in our understanding of your word continue to work in us Lord so that we can splash the kingdom of God everywhere we go thank you for that bless these offerings now we pray use them for the advancement of your kingdom in Jesus name and everybody said Amen.